<laughs> I'm not Fat Albert. I'm actually the pastor here. Welcome, welcome. Uh, pastor Derek here. Just want to welcome you guys to Connect. How many glad to be in church this morning? Some of you had to run around a race to get here, right? So I'm proud of you for all getting here to church and uh, appreciate that. Uh, so glad uh, that we could be together. We're continuing our series this morning. Before I get into that, I want to uh, just pump up. I got a song in my head going off, pump up the jam. But, uh, uh, but I want to pump up my dream team this morning. Uh, this last Tuesday, we hosted an event here at Connect. How many in the dream team that were here for the event? Raise your hand, good and high. Look at all the people that were here. So a ton of people took off time from work. Uh, worked a full day serving pastors and leaders from all over New England. Um, I'd say we had close to 70 people from Connect that served on that day. Uh, we had 125 registered pastors and leaders that were here. Uh, Ten workshops that took place. The entire facility was utilized. <clears throat> we actually, uh, you can't even believe what it looked like here. It was just We've completely like you know turned it back into a church, but this whole auditorium was filled with tables and Every kid's classroom was a classroom feel. Uh, downstairs from kids' church was flipped and looked like, you know, an adult seminar session in every single room. Just, I can't even tell you, but th- there was great workshops for kids and for audio, visual, lighting, sound, you know, uh, you know, next generation stuff, hospitality, you name it. We talked about it downstairs to pastors and leaders, and we had main sessions up here with some of the best speakers, uh, you know, I've ever heard that were here that particular week. But the overwhelming response from the people, they were just blown away and wowed by you, by our dream team. And I just want to give it up for our dream team for serving. You guys are Unbelievable. You are known, you know, throughout the region and beyond for your hospitality. People look to us for how to be hospitable. They look to us for, you know, kind of uh, insight and in, in, in what, how do you get a culture like that where people want to serve and give like that. And I just, I guess got to say as your pastor how proud I am. Honestly, speechless, just speechless, uh, blown away by it. I went to another conference a couple of days later, and it was awesome. Uh, but honestly, you guys, I mean, I, I can say a lot of stuff right now, but I'm on camera. But uh, the contrast, you know, you guys just do a great job, and I'm just so proud of you. And uh, we have the best bathrooms in the country. I just want you to know that. <laughs> anyway, um, this morning... <laughs> You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Anyway, um, this morning I have a very close friend that is going to speak to you this morning in the continuation of our series, You Asked For It. Uh, Pastor Dan Stauffer and his wife Stephanie are up from Randolph, New Jersey. They planted a church uh, several years ago. They are true church planters, pioneers. Uh, I believe he is a mega church pastor in the making. Um, He's just a really godly man. I love him. I love his heart. We have a great friendship. We talk very regularly, uh, keep in touch with each other. I consider him like a brother to me in Christ. Uh, You know I don't have anybody that I don't know kind of come to connect, so this is a close uh, friend to me, and I want you guys to treat him like family, because he is. And uh, would you guys give it up as Pastor Dan Stauffer comes? Would you guys give him a big hand clap as he comes to speak to us this morning? Thanks so much. I hope I'm on. Am I on? I think I'm on. I'm good. I'm good. I turned the mic on properly. That is a big win, number one. We're going to have church. Well, we're in a series here at Connect called You Asked For It. And so I have the privilege of answering your question about how to deal with stress. Is anybody stressed today? Anyone feeling stressed? If you're in a church, you need to be honest. Those of you who don't have your hand up, you're lying. So you should even be more stressed because now you've got to cover up the lie that you've been telling. I know all about, all about stress. As Pastor Derek uh, just mentioned, um, my wife and I planted a church in New Jersey of all places in the U.S. to plant a church in New Jersey a little over six years ago. It was March 16, 2008. And uh, we planted the church um, with a dream in our heart that God wanted to do something very specific and very unique with the people of Morris County and North Jersey. And we were just full of vision, full of passion, just really excited. And a lot of times pastors will plant churches because they don't like the church that they're at anymore or they got kicked out of the church that they were at. And so, hey, why not go plant a church? But that was not our situation. We actually had a great environment. Um, we were, I had the, the corner office, Air Apparent. It was a great, um, just a great opportunity in, in ministry. 
and um, guaranteed, I don't know what a guaranteed paycheck is, but it was much more guaranteed there than it is now, you know, it's one of those kind of, kind of things, and so we moved to New Jersey, and we've got some family there, and um, Stephanie's sister, and, and uh, niece, and uh, two nieces, and nephew, her dad, and his wife are there, and, and uh, so we, we moved there, and we'd always loved New Jersey. We actually lived there for a little bit of time, for about six months before we moved to Pennsylvania, where we were on staff with the church for nine and a half years, and that's the church that we respectfully resigned from, and moved to New Jersey and got a job, and uh, made some really big mistakes in the process of following God. I don't know if you've ever done that before, kind of following God, have something really in your heart, and did a lot of dumb things on the way that weren't God, but you did them anyway. And so we moved to New Jersey, got the job, and um, started spending more money uh, than we made. Um, you do that through credit cards. Those of you that credit cards, you actually don't have that money. That's not your money. You're spending someone else's money. And we did a lot of that. Maxed out six credit cards, bought a house in New Jersey on the, right before the bubble burst. I think we actually burst the bubble. I think it was our fault. <laughs> Right. We, we, I mean, just ridiculous. We've lost 30% value in our home. Our taxes have gone up over 10%. Um, just some really, really dumb mistakes, all in the process of planting a church. And so I know stress. I know financial stress. We also moved um, with three children. One of them, our youngest, was eight months old at the time when we left the church and moved to New Jersey to plant a church and getting our kids into a new school, starting this, this crazy job. I sold furniture. I was a general manager for a furniture store uh, for almost four years. Did that in the process of planting the church. Was bivocational while we planted the church. Worked 50 hours a week while we were planting the church. The first year of the church... Worked 50 hours a week at a furniture store and had to prepare messages, lead a staff, and start something from scratch. I know stress. We have a 16-year-old daughter. Hashtag right there, stress. Like, we know stress. We know stress. And in the process of planting the church, it was so exciting because we launched with 120 people our first Sunday. I was like, yeah, until the following Sunday, there was 49 people. And this is a true story. The following Sunday, there was 47 people, less 10 people from our launch team. We, our launch team, we had 23 people on our launch team. And when the two Sundays later, we had 13 people on our launch team. I know stress. A year into the, the church plant, we decided that, you know, it's really important that we actually give more of our time, some of our best energy to the church. This is what God's called us to do. He didn't call me to manage a furniture store. And so we took a day back from the furniture store and gave it to the church. And I say gave because the church wasn't in a position to pay me for that extra day. And the furniture store was not a charitable organization. They decided not to pay me for the day that I wasn't going to be there, lost 20% of my income. I know stress. 20% of my income gone with six credit cards maxed to the hilt, a, a house we couldn't pay for, a car that I had to have because I had to pull the church trailer, $500 a month car payment. Help them, Jesus. Somebody just, just reach your hand out and pray. I know stress. I know what it's like to be stressed. And here, here's what I know in the process of planting a church, and here's what I know in the process of just living life, being alive, is that stressful situations, stress in and of itself is inevitable. Stress is a part of life. But stress comes from just being alive. So if you're alive, it's natural for you to be stressed, right? Stress comes from just life itself, but stress also can grow and be enhanced through really dumb decisions that we make. And here, here's what I know. If you've got message notes in your, in your guide there, just the first fill-in, and I'll make sure you have all the fill-ins whether I stay on track or not. I'll give, I'll give you the answers for sure. But the distance between the truth I know and the truth that I live equals the pain that I experience. The difference between the truth that I know. See, I knew a lot of things that I was doing that I really shouldn't be doing. I caused a lot of my own stress. Those of you that are students and you show up at school on test day, and you did not study for that test, and you're feeling really stressed, you would still feel stressed on test day, but you feel more stressed because you didn't study. 
right? Why? Because the truth that I know, the distance between the truth that I know and the truth that I live equals the pain that I experience. And when you are swiping credit cards and spending money that you don't have and you're buying things that you can't afford and you're living your life and, and using your time in a way that's just unhealthy and you're, you're, you're abandoning maybe your family, not spending the amount of time with your kids. Listen, if you've got teenagers, they're still going to be stressed, but I'm telling you, you enhance the stress when you're not in a relationship with them. And so what I want to share today is some things that I think, just real quick in your notes, five things that I believe are the result of stress, just stress in general, but again, get enhanced when we do things that we know we shouldn't do. But also, if you're wondering, hey, am I stressed? These five things will help you to answer whether you're stressed or not. For number one, here we go. Here's what happens from a a stress life. My resistance is lower. My resistance is lower. Now, Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is true for you. Because you have a physical human body with an immune system. And when you stretch yourself beyond the way that you should stretch yourself, when you're not eating right, when you're not exercising, when you're not taking care of your body, when you're not getting rest and and relaxation, and you're not able to, to recreate or recreate the gift of God on the inside of you, what happens is that your resistance becomes lower. Many times people will get sick simply because they're stressed. If you're a stress eater... You're putting things into your body that are not healthy for your body. So even if you're not a follower of Jesus, your resistance is lower. But here, for those of you that are a follower of Jesus and you want to like, I want to follow God, I want his word. Look at this in Luke chapter 21, verse 34. Luke writes this, he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day, that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. If you've ever experienced a heart attack or you know somebody that's experienced a heart attack, they will say it like that. It just, I don't know what happened. It's like, it just closed in on me. All of a sudden, I, I was doing great and boom, it just closed in on me like a, like a trap. There are things that you can see ahead of time. There are things that you can avoid. There are traps in life that you can avoid simply by being aware of what's going on in your life. Our resistance gets lower. Physical resistance gets lower. Your spiritual resistance gets lower. Your emotional resistance gets lower. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're trying to resist temptation, your resistance gets lower. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've drawn your own lines in the sand, here's the thing that I know about all of us. We break our own rules. We do. You've drawn a line in the sand. You said, this is the way I'm going to live life, and you don't even do it. You break your own rules. We all break our own rules. Why? Many times it's because our resistance is lower. And that reveals some very key things. Second thing that can help reveal if there's a lot of stress going on in your life or the result of a lot of stress in your life is that my emotions are inconsistent. Someone elbow the person next to you and say, see, I told you you were stressed. <laughs> Don't do that if it's your wife sitting next to you. <laughs> Too late. So here, here's a question to ask. Why am I so angry? Why do I respond so negatively, so quickly, and so uncontrollably? Many times it's because our, our stress level, we've got ourselves maxed out to the limit whether it's in our spending, whether it's in our time, whether it's in our, 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 our habits, our eating, our health. We just have ourselves maxed out to the limit. We can't say no, and we're wondering why. I'm so emotionally inconsistent. Job, one of the oldest passages in, in Scripture, he said this, he says, my days go by faster than a runner feel like that? Just boom, boom, boom. I just can't seem to catch a a break or catch my breath. They fly away without me seeing any joy. Here's a question for you. Are you acting out of character? When people look at you, are they saying, man, you're just not yourself? It's a good indicator that there's a lot of stress going on in your life. If If you're feeling for yourself, I'm just not myself. I'm not normally like this. I don't know why I'm responding this way. It could be a result of a lot of stress or, uh, again, a revealer of stress. The next thing here is that that my my productivity suffers. You're getting less done and you're working more. 
My productivity is suffering. I'm, I'm, I'm spending more time at the office and I'm getting less done. I'm spending more time, whatever it is, and I'm just, I'm not getting the results, not getting the, the fruit. Proverbs 21 verse 5 in the message translation, it says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run, but hurry and scurry. I love that phrase. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. I mean, just rushing, just flying down the road. I mean, if you are a fast driver and you're thinking you're making time, but then you get pulled over, you're using more gas in your car, you're more white-knuckled, hurry and scurry. Whatever it is, we're rushing around, trying to get it all in, trying to fit it all in. I mean, if, if a family meal is a quick run through the drive-thru and McDonald's in the minivan before soccer practice, before baseball practice, before football practice, before whatever, if that's like, hey, we eat, we eat all of our meals together, yeah, in your minivan, right? With the garbage bags all over the floor, some french fries from two weeks ago, they're green and moving. <laughs> We're getting more done. Our pro- productivity begins to suffer. Our life The next one, my life loses meaning. Things that you just thought you would be doing. I mean, I'm not talking about, hey, little Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a fireman. And you're an accountant, and you're really disappointed that you're not a fireman. I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about what you felt, the passion, the reason why you went to college. The passion, the reason that you pursued the career that you pursued. What was driving you to, to move to a certain area of the country, to be a part of a certain community? There was a passion. There was a drive. You felt purpose. You felt meaning. And listen, when we're stressed, when we're going crazy, when life is just spiraling out of control and we've pushed all the limits and we've, we've exceeded any margin, there's just no room for error in our life, life loses meaning. And what happens is that we, we're this jack of all trades and this master of none. Can I tell you something? I know your mom might disagree with me on this one, but can I tell you something? You're not good at everything. <laughs> now, wife, you can elbow your husband. See, see, I told you right there. Give it to him. You're not good at everything. There's actually a sweet spot for you to live in. And that's what I love about Connect Community Church. That's what I love about how we do church because we want to help you discover that sweet spot. We want to help you find how God has uniquely made you so that you're not running around spinning plates trying to figure out if this is the plate and you got that one spinning, you got another plate spinning, you're trying to figure it all out. We want to help walk you through that process of discovering how God has uniquely made you because he's called you to make a unique difference in your world. And when you find that, there's this purpose and there's this meaning. But let me tell you this, even if you've discovered that, and you know how and why God has made you, if there's a lot of stress going on in your life, that meaning and that purpose will just get clouded out. It will be hard to see it. You'll show up at here as someone on the dream team, scheduled to, to minister and to serve, wondering, like, why in the world am I here? I'm telling you, if you're, if you're on the dream team, if you've discovered your purpose and all of a sudden now you're asking questions again, I could almost guarantee you that your life is outside of its limits and you are stressed And it's not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. We've got to be able to recognize what's going on in my life and how do I make some adjustments? Because our life will lose meaning, it'll lose purpose. Psalm 39, 6, David said this, we are merely moving shadows. It's like this mist that's going on and all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. It's like there's no meaning, there's no purpose. Solomon said the same thing in the book of Ecclesiastes, just going on and on about all the work and all the busyness and achieving everything that he dreamed and actually didn't even dream that he would achieve. He just went beyond himself. Lost meaning, lost purpose. The next one here, the the fifth one, is that my relationship with God seems distant. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, invited him to be the Lord of your life, surrendered your heart to him, recognized that, that you are a sinner, that we all sin, we've all come short of God's purpose, his plan, and his glory, and you've discovered that and you've invited Jesus into your life, given him everything, you've experienced the miracle of salvation where the spirit of the living God of all creation enters into you and now lives on the inside of you and you become a temple, a house 
for the spirit of God to dwell in. Your sins have been washed away. Shame has been removed. Guilt has been destroyed. And you've experienced that. I mean, just, just even talking about that for a moment, it's like, I'm already saved. I'm preaching. I was like, I want to get saved, right? I want that. And if you've experienced that, and all of a sudden, your relationship with God, it just seems like you're praying, and there's not only is no one hearing, God's not here, no one, it's not going anywhere. You read your Bible, you don't feel any sort of change. It just seems cold. It seems just routine, and you're just going through the motions. It seems very religious, and that might be the very reason that you're here is because this church is not religious, it's relational, and you're able to experience Christ, but all of a sudden now, what you knew to be very religious has become religious again. What has been religious and then went relational is now becoming stale and is becoming cold and is becoming hard. It's very a good chance that, that there's a bunch of stress it was revealing that you're probably stressed. And again, maybe just as a result of life or maybe as a result of some decisions that you've made because there's been some things that you and I have not known to do and we haven't been doing it and there's this great distance that's beginning to, to come into play and the greater the distance between what I know to do and what I'm actually doing is this massive amount of pain or massive amount of stress. David said this in Psalm 46, he said, be still. Be still. You know what he's saying to you? Stop it. <laughs> stop it. Just whatever you're doing, just stop. Stop. Call a timeout right now. I know you give, if you parents, you give your kids, you need a timeout. <laughs> you need to take a timeout or I'm going to whack you and give you to none. You need a timeout. That was 50 years ago. Right? Stop it. <laughs> I got a 16-year-old. <laughs> stop it. Be still, be still, be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and know. You know why there's a lot of stress is that we've lost the knowledge of who God is and what he's doing. Because we're not still enough to know. We're not still enough to interact with God. We're not still enough to hear the voice of the whispering voice of the Holy Spirit. We're not still enough. And he's saying, be still. You need to slow down. You need to stop. You need to take a break. Life loses its meaning. Our relationship with God just seems distant. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes. He said, it is better to have only a little. Boy, is that counterculture. It's like one or two purses, one or two pair of shoes, ladies. I mean, just, sorry. I'm going to look over here. I'm talking to myself, too. I, li I like shoes and socks and stuff. You know, you got to represent. you got to get her done. That's where the anointing's at right there. I feel it just coming up. Yes, Lord. It's, it's better to have only a little with peace of mind. What would, I mean, if you were to say what, what defines stress... Right? Define stress. It's like, it's just confusion. It's, I can't get my thoughts together, right? There's my, I, I'm going, I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm just, I can't think straight. I'm making lists and I, I don't even know where the list went. You got, if you're a sticky note person, you're like, where'd the sticky notes go? You got five on top of the other. Peace of mind. Like the opposite of stress is just peace of mind. It's not the, it's not the absence of trial. The opposite of stress is not the absence of difficulty. The absence of stress is not the, is not the absence or the result of not having difficult people in your life. If I just had a different teacher, if I, if I just had a different boss, if I just had different employees... It's not the absence of difficult people. The opposite of stress is peace of mind. And so, what do we do? Let me give you the bottom line of all that I've been talking about and conclude in just the next few moments. Here's the bottom line. is the hashtag. I love the hashtags. Get some rest. Just get some rest. Get some rest. That'll answer it. Like, that's it? Yep, we could pray right now. Like, get some rest. Seriously, get some rest. Hashtag, get some rest. Remember that. Don't forget it. What was the message about today? I need to get some rest. Yep, 
Get some rest. Is it really that simple? It is that simple. It might not be what you're thinking because you're thinking, I just need to take a nap. I just need to get eight hours of sleep at night. Well, that, that, that would help. It's not going to hurt. But get some rest. The writer of Hebrews describes rest differently than maybe you and I describe rest. See, when God talks about rest, he's not just talking about a nap. He's not talking about taking just even a day off. And we think of that. We read Genesis. Our church, we do soap. Um, it's the way we read the Bible together as a church. And so um, we, give, we create a guide. We give them a chapter a day to read. Today was actually Genesis 1. So I'm soaping this morning, reading through that. I'm like, this is awesome. God rested on the seventh day. He ceased to work on the seventh day. And so we think, oh, so rest would mean just a day off. I need to take a day off. If you work seven days a week, you, you know, rest and get some rest. I just need to take a day off. Or maybe, you know, you, you only get five hours of sleep at night. I need to change my schedule. I need to get some rest. I need to make sure I'm getting seven or eight hours of sleep. I'm not talking about a nap. I'm not talking about a, a vacation. Again, those are all great things and they're a part of it. But the way God describes rest is so much different than the way you and I consider rest. I want you to see this in Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse nine. This is how you get some rest, all right? Here we go. Just two words, there remains the writer of Hebrews starts off chapter 4, verse 9, there remains, there remains, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains. That there remains right there literally means something that's been left over. So sometimes when, if you were to go into this and look in the original Greek, you would probably see something that looks a lot like heaven, a lot like a description of heaven. But very interestingly is that it's, it also gives a description that this is not something that's in the future, not to a place that you're going, but to where you are right now. The writer of Hebrews is saying, there remains, something's been left here for you now. Those of us that are followers of Jesus are thinking, you know, especially if you grew up in the church like I did, I'm, I'm almost 42 years old, and I remember hymns, and in the sweet by and by, like, right, we're, we're going to get there someday, Some. Some glad morning when this life is o'er. Right? And so that's when we think it'll all be good then. Until then, Jesus come. I believe in the whole, I believe in the resurrection, right? We just sang it this morning, like come, Lord Jesus. The writer of Hebrews is saying, there remains, there remains, there remains, there remains. Here now. Not just heaven. Heaven is going to be amazing. Heaven is going to be awesome. But there remains for us now something very specific. There remains then a Sabbath rest. It's the only time that word is mentioned in all of Scripture. This word right here, Sabbath rest. We, we've seen rest. See, we have, we have one English word for like three, four Greek words for rest. And this rest, even if you were to read, if you were to go back and read Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, you'll see rest mentioned several times. You'll see this other word rest where it says there remains then a rest for the people of God. This rest here, this Sabbath rest is so different. It means a calming of, uh, of the winds. The other rest mean a calming of the winds. The other rest that you have without scripture, seven times in Hebrews 3 and 4, it's the Greek word, and I'm going give, give to give me some katapasis, all right? just means a calming of the winds. So every time you would see rest in Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4, it simply meant you, you just need a calming of the winds. feels like you're in a wind tunnel in life and it's just blowing crazy. There, there's a rest for us, a rest for you. You need to get some rest. It just would mean it, things just need to calm down. But when he goes on here, this Sabbath rest, it's completely different. This is the word sabbatismos. Sabbatismos, a Sabbath rest. It's only used one time in all of Scripture, right here in Hebrews 4. There remains something left for you now to experience now while you're living on this earth where you really need Sabbath rest. You don't need Sabbath rest in heaven. Do you realize that? I mean, there might be people there that you didn't like on earth, but somehow God will miraculously change them. They'll be nice in heaven. <laughs> so you don't need the Sabbath rest there. It will all be that. One time, right here, there remains for you now. This is where there's hope. For those of you that are like, oh, I just described the five things of stress that reveal stress. You're like, I got all five. You just took a test. I finally got it. Hey, right? It's like, yay. This is for you. This is hope. All the other rest, the calming of the winds, all the other things that you can just do in the natural, just do no matter where you're at, what you believe. There are some real practical things that you can do that can actually give some space and, and bring 
lessen that, that gap between what you know to do and what you're doing. I mean, anybody, really anybody can do that. Any smart, wise, you know, person can do that. But this is very specific. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. In the Old Testament, that was a specific day. The Sabbath, right? Work on the six, one day rest. The Sabbath, a very specific day. In the New Testament, is a very specific principle of life. It's not just a day. If you want to make it just a specific day, like it was in the Old Testament, that that's, would roll into legalism, and you'll never be able to fulfill that. But in Christ, it's different. It's a principle of life. And so a Sabbath rest, you can have a Sabbath rest in your finances. Pulling your hair out, trying to figure out what's going on with your finances, can't seem to make ends meet. There's probably a big gap between what you know to do and what you're doing. But there's also a Sabbath rest. Again, there's all the other rests that you can do financially, all a lot of natural, practical, wise things that you can do to lessen the burden of financial stress on your life. But there still remains a Sabbath rest for your finances. And the principle of the Sabbath says God gets the first. I'm trusting God. So this flows into that day off, but it's different. It's not just taking the day. It's not just coming to church for an hour or so. Well, there's the Sabbath. We went to church, did it. No, no. That's not the Sabbath rest that remains for the people of God. This Sabbath rest is so different. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest. Now he goes back and starts talking about these calming of winds. But look how he says it. Not just the calming of winds, because anybody, again, can make some decisions and realign their life to experience a calming of winds. Anybody on this planet can do that. But the writer of Hebrews is very specific. We're not talking about your rest. God's rest. Do you see that? It's not your rest. It's not my rest. It's not even what I like to do or what I think should be done. It's God's rest, which means God owns it. Do you, do you realize when, when you give financially, and if you're a tither and you bring that 10%, you can get locked up in that. Again, you can get locked up in the law. It's 10%. And that's, listen, bottom line is you're returning something that already belongs to God. If you're a tither, and that's the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, you, there's some great principles that you can do financially. You understand, even, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, that there's something that happens when you're generous. You've been generous before, and it's awesome. You've given things, the gifts of people, and you watch them, and you're, it lights up. There's something, but there's a powerful thing for those of you that are followers of Jesus when you return to God what's already his. That's really the principle of the Sabbath. This is not mine, or the principle of the tithe. This is not mine. I'm returning it to God. So rest for your physical body. Because I, I, would, I would imagine many of you in this church, you are great tithers. You are meticulous tithers. You probably, if, you, if your check is, you know, $1,129, you're tithing to the penny. You probably even write out your check, which is awesome. It's great. Do you do that with your time? Because that's God's too. Do you do that with your body? Because that's God's too. How about your relationships? Because that belongs to God too. How about your intellect? Are you learning? Are you reading? Because that's God's too. It's a Sabbath rest. And it's putting God first in that area of your life. It's actually worship. When you, <laughs> you're going to love this one. When you take a day off, you're worshiping God. Teenager just elbowed their mom. See, I don't have to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> Jesus. You just bought a what would Jesus do bracelet. You're rolling, right? It belongs to God. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. People of God, very, very key. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works just as God did from his Anyone that enters into God's rest also rests from their own works. I'm ceasing. It's like I'm still working. I might be even working harder than I was before, 
but it's different because now it's God's rest and I'm ceasing. God's rest also rests from their own works. Now, this rest is different than the other rest that we've been looking at. This rest is the word katapao, and it means to make quiet, to lead to a quiet abode, to still yourself, to restrain, to cease and desist. Anyone that has entered into God's rest has ceased and desisted from their own works, giving themselves their own glory, doing it in their own power, for their own praise, for their own glory, for their own accolades, for their own energy. It's, in, it's just because this is what I think I should do and I'm gonna keep doing it. And this is the way I know I'm, I'm, I'm smart with money. If you're smart with money, you, some of the things that God would ask you to do with money are completely different. If you're smart physically, some of the things that God would ask you to do with your body is completely differently. If you're smart, smartically, then you know that that's not a word that I just said. Bottom line is that there are things that God's going to ask you to do that when you give it to him, you rest from your own energy. You see, when, when I cut back a day from the furniture store, I knew that was right. I had to cease from my own work. It was God leading me to do it. It created a massive financial strain on our family. I called every one of the credit card companies and told them I can't even make the minimum payment because I couldn't. I lost 20% of my income. I lost, we lost our health insurance over it as well. And when that phone's ringing nonstop and then it stops ringing, when it stops ringing, that's when you're like, oh my gosh. Like they're gearing up to do something lovely. And then it starts ringing again and the voices and are less pleasant much more demanding, you're wondering what in the world you're going to do. There's a stress that's unbearable. We weren't trying to get out of anything. We actually were able to, to God miraculously moved. In a, in a 12-month period of time, all five credit cards were completely paid off. The car was paid off. Our mortgage um, was, was modified into a 30-year fixed. And we had, t- it was crazy but I was able to cease from my works, rest from all that I thought I knew to do, rest from my works, enter into his rest, his Sabbath rest, and then God was able to work in my life. We're completely debt-free right now. Paid cash for both cars. I mean, they're not Maseratis, but you know. God has been able to move into that area of our life, has been able to move into our life physically, into our, into our eating habits, into our, our health, able to move into our, our time and our schedule. Here's the thing, because I want to share with you just three things that you can do in the last just few moments here. Here's, here's the thing that you can do. He goes on, the writer of Hebrews goes on. I say he, it could have been a she, you never know. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. That rest, God's rest. You're still working. This, isn't, this is not a message to approve of laziness at all. Hope you hear that. You're still working. You may even be working harder, just differently. And it's not taking life out of you. It's giving life to you because your approach is different. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Here's what, here's what I did to enter into that rest. There were some principles that Stephanie and I did in our life, in our schedule, in our family. Um, once we learned some financial things, that was one of the years, kind of one of the last years that, we st- that we, it seemed like the big area that we were working on. There's always another area. There's always something new. Um, but prior to that, we were so disciplined with our day off. Our first ministry position was in 1997 at a church in Pennsylvania. We were there for nine and a half years in the interview for the job. I'm 23, 23 years old at the time. And I said, um, we will have a day off. I didn't know this at the time that the pastor actually did not take a day off at that church. I said, I will have a day off, a set day off. Even when we were planting the church 
in New Jersey, working 50 hours a week at the furniture store. That was five days there and doing the church. Still took a day off. It was Friday. Didn't do any church work on Friday. Didn't do any, church, any, any furniture work um, on Friday. It was a day off. It was date day. Just it was something that like this will happen, and I'm telling you, when when I, I'm convinced that that's the only way that we survived. I'm convinced that that opened the door for God's hand to be upon our life in that season, because we honored Him with our time. I don't know that we'd still be married today. Like I would still want to be married to her, but she would not want to be married to me. There's just principles that you can follow, things that you can do, and so here's number one. I will rest my body. Yes, I, I'm convinced you need a day off. I'm convinced you need to get, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep at night. I'm convinced you need to eat well. I'm convinced that there's some practical things that you can do. But I'm telling you, when you enter into his rest in doing it, which is simply shifting your focus, like, God, I'm going to honor you. Honoring him with your body is making sure that your body gets rest. Now, I don't have this on the screen, but if you've got a way to just make a little, a little rectangle and make seven columns long and then just three columns aside, I call them 21 zones. If you're struggling with time, trying to figure out how to fit it all in and you're going crazy trying to, you know, with your schedule, make 21 zones. And the first thing that you do is you find three zones in a row, preferably one specific day, and let that be the day off that you cease from your own works. And you just recreate, you recreate the gift of God in your life. That's the definition of recreation, is to recreate the gift of God. Recreate passion. Recreate life. Recreate just a dream in your heart. Allow yourself to get rejuvenated. But the way you rest your body is literally, you've got to look at your schedule. Because some of us, we just don't have that time, that time off. We're not taking that time. And I'm telling you, if you're thinking, you know, I, we used to hear pastors say this all the time, well, the devil doesn't take a day off. And I always wondered, why in the world are we allowing the devil to lead us in how we live our lives? I, I just don't understand that at all, right? God did take a day off. I think I'm going to follow God and not the devil. 21 zones. Just write them out. Draw them out. If you're a student in, in, in high school or college, 21 zones. Because you've, you've got to figure out some very practical principles, and God has laid them out. Very practical principles. I'm telling you, you'll get more studying done. You'll be, you're, you'll be more alert when you do study. If you can allow yourself to enter into his rest, rest from your own work or your own way of doing it and allow God to be imparted into what's happening. Psalm 127.2 says this, In vain you rose early, you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. How many were toiling? We're like working our tails off. We're staying up late trying to figure it all out. We're staying up late to study. I gotta, I gotta study, I gotta study. And which is great, you need to study. But it's how and when and where. You need to work, but it's how and when and where. Lay it out. I'm telling you, lay out the 21 zones. Give your body some rest. Number two, I will replenish my soul. There are just some things, I'm telling you, you need to schedule this in and not to be legalistic, not to be, well, I didn't do that today and now I'm guilty because you, you didn't do <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. We're talking about entering into his rest. There remains a Sabbath rest. A, wow, this is good. That's a Sabbath rest. This is good. Right? Muzzle tov. That's what it means. It's destined to be great. Do you know when God created the, the Garden of Eden, created the animals in Adam and Eve? You know, when he started day one, and the firmament and the sun and the moon and the stars and, you know, the waters from above the waters below and then separated water from land and then fish in the sea and then the animals on the ground and the seed time and harvest and all of that. When he created it, he didn't step back and say, ah, it's perfect. It couldn't be better. It's not what he said. He said, it's good. And literally he said, it's destined to be great. Because if it wasn't perfect yet, or if it was perfect, he wouldn't have said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Take dominion. We need this thing to spread from this garden right here over to all of the earth. Every human being that will ever be birthed in this garden will be impacted by its majesty. He didn't, it was, be fruitful and multiply. Why? This, this is good. This is good. This is very good, which means it's destined to be great. 
God knew that he was planting seed and the seed was going to expand and bring even greater increase. When you are ceasing from your own work, you're resting from your own work, you're saying, it's not like, eh, it's good enough. No, 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 no. No, I've worked hard. It's not perfect yet, but it's good. And it's destined to be great. And I'm going to allow God's hand to come upon it. I'm going to rest from my works. I'm trusting God to do what he says to do. Amen. So I'm going to replenish my soul, and you have it in your notes, with quietness. I'm telling you, if you could figure out a daily routine where you can get quiet, if you're a mom with young kids, this is a miracle in the making. Because you could say, I'm going to get up tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Guess what will happen? Your kids never get up at 5 o'clock. Tomorrow they will. I'm just giving you fair warning. They will. They will. But with quietness, with enjoyment, with people, you're thinking, that's my problem. It's the people in my life. Find some different people. But I'm married to him. Pray really hard. <laughs> Keep coming to church. And then number three, I will refocus my spirit. Refocus my spirit. The writer of Hebrews finishes this off. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, that sabbatismos rest, every effort, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And that word disobedience in the Greek, when you define it, means unbelief. And it literally means obstinacy, obstinate opposition to the divine will of God. When you determine, you make a decision, because we, we make this decision, whether unconsciously or consciously. If we say, I'm just going to keep working, I'm going to keep pushing, I'm going to keep doing what just this is what I know to do. You are walking in an obstinate opposition to the divine will of God because the divine will of God for you is peace of mind. It's a Sabbath rest where you rest from your works so that God's hand can multiply, increase, bring fruit from your life, and allow you to walk in dominion and victory. So bottom line, get some rest get some rest. Let me pray for you today. Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you would help every one of us to be aware. Things would open, just click in our minds of areas that we've just been working, doing our own work and going at it like crazy. And God, I'm asking that you would help us to see areas where we need to cease, rest from our own works. With your heads bowed and your eyes are are closed in this room and you have been just stressed out like crazy. You, you, were, you were stressed coming here today. You almost didn't come because just life is just spiraling out of control, but you're here. Or maybe you're experiencing online, you're watching this, and same thing, you're just stressed out of control, and you almost didn't even listen to this podcast or watch it, but you're here. And God spoke some things to your heart. You're, you're, it's, it's clicking. You recognize that you've, just been, you've been doing a lot of work without God. And you've not been allowing God to work because you've been overworking and you're experiencing stress, whether it be financially, whether it be relationally, whether it be in your school, whether it be emotionally right now. Those five things that we mentioned earlier just defined you. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Actually, let's all, why don't we just all stand right now? Just stand to our feet. And just in an attitude of prayer, you say, Pastor Dan, that's me walked in here stressed but I'm, I'm ready for the Sabbath rest I'm ready to cease from my own works and experience God's ability in your life I want to pray for you would you lift your hand all throughout this room just all over in Jesus name God right now you see every one of these hands and I'm just asking for your rest I'm asking for a, a sabbatismos right now, a Sabbath rest, a divine heavenly rest that's been left here for us by Christ. I pray, Father, right now that it would enter into them, to every one of them, those that are just racking their brains because they, even though after here they've got to go home and they've got a, a load of work, a load of studying, a load of homework, just a 
burdening them or they've got work tomorrow and they've got meetings tomorrow and they're scheduled, they're already stressed about their schedule and they haven't even entered into it. God, I'm praying for them right now that you would just, you would fill them with your rest. And God, I pray that you would help us, help every one of us to tap into the Sabbath rest of God, that God, we would worship you with our time tomorrow before we enter into those meetings, before we crack open the books, before we begin to sit down and, and do our, our checking account and, and our budget. God, whatever it is, before we sit down at the family, God, we will press into you and invite you to lead our day. And God, we commit it to you. And God, I just pray for strength. God, I believe that right now today that heart attacks are being avoided. Divorces are being avoided. The simple adjustments, God, in ceasing from our work and entering into your rest will save our marriages, will save our bodies, will save us financially, will save our homes. Relationships with parents and children are being restored because parents are realizing that they've been functioning out of stress and it's been damaging their home. Spirit of the living God, we invite you in right now. Bring a rest to our soul like nothing else. With every head bowed and every eye closed, for those of you that are not followers of Jesus yet, maybe you're here this morning just kind of checking things out. Maybe you're watching online or, or listening to this podcast and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. There's a lot of things that you can do to rest, a lot of practical things. But to enter into the Sabbatismos, the Sabbath rest, entering into his rest is only possible by allowing the Spirit of Christ to come into your life and to save you. And if you're in here this morning or even at the sound of my voice and you recognize right now that your sin separates you from God and you no longer want to be separated from God, then I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. And the first major step of the Sabbath rest is receiving him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you come forward, but simply right where you are, you'd say, Pastor Dan, that's me. Today's my day. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want him to wash away all of your sin, the Spirit of Christ to enter into you and to save you from the uttermost. If that's you, would you slip your hand up all throughout this room? That's me. Today's my day. Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Maybe you've done that before. you prayed that prayer before, but you've fallen away. You've slipped away. You've gone back into an old lifestyle. And today is a day of rededicating, recommitting anybody else. That's me. You don't have to pray an exact prayer repeating after me, but I want to invite you to pray something similar to this, that Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you are raised from the dead and that you are alive today. And Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean and make me whole. And I commit, be bold on this one, I commit from this day forward that I will live for you and follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for saving me. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.